Today we begin a series on the notorious Charles Manson. To start, we'll discuss his chaotic childhood and his mother, whom he loved, but the love wasn't quite reciprocated. We'll look at his entry into a life of petty crime that saw him incarcerated often, his travels from state to state, and his brief stint working as a pimp. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought your childhood was bad, stick around. Tonight's episode will leave you feeling much better about those beatings your parents gave you. Come on, they loved you. This is Necronomapod. I love the world I live in, too, just like Regan loves the world he lives in. You love the world you live in. <laughs> Most assuredly, it's me. You love all the pain that you've caused people, all oh. the anguish you've caused Oh, I don't know pain. I don't know pain. I have no depth of pain. I have no depth of suffering. I don't know ridicule. I don't know all the bad things. I haven't been punished by you all my life since I was 10 years old. I've been in every reform school you got across the country. And used to lay down and have to get my ass whipped till I couldn't walk. Tell me about your pain. And that's yeah. our fault. That's all no, those people. No, it's fault. Make strong, good pain. Understand pain. Not bad. Pain's not bad. It's good. It teaches you things. Well, we're four years into this thing, and we're finally covering the last major, popular, well-known topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the last. Uh, you consider this a big major one? Yeah. I suppose so. It doesn't get talked about, at least from what I had seen, like in as much as like the Dahmers or the Bundys and stuff, as, you know, the Jonestowns type. But I feel like this is a pretty mainstream one. It's a different but kind of category, too. He's not, yeah. doesn't really fit the mold of, you know, not an actual serial killer. He gets lumped in sometimes, but it's kind of a different story. It's like, it's like cult meets true crime. Yeah. And I don't even know if you would necessarily consider him a very successful cult leader at all. They weren't living high on the hog. No. I don't know all that much. Like everyone knows the the basic outline of the story, but mm-hmm. all the ins and outs, I don't really know. Clearly I don't. I think there's a solid case to be made that he's not the most dangerous man in America and he's not this um you know, the antichrist, this reincarnation mm-hmm. of the devil that's here to take your kids from you and like look that's but how it's presented. He pers- that's how he presented himself, right? Like he kind of got into that gimmick. At least with interviews I'd seen like later in his life. Oh, him talking all crazy and stuff. Like, I feel like he embraced that, that persona. Little swastika tattoo on his forehead, right? Yeah, that was wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's how it was. We'll see. That's how it ends up getting portrayed in the media with the, with the trial and stuff is look at this guy, you know, he's able to take, he can take your kids and make them into these yeah. mindless a little bit of sensationalism going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's a solid argument to be made that yeah, he was just like a petty thief, petty criminal that stumbled his way into a scene of people doing acid, <laughs> things like that. And <laughs> they were very open to suggestion perhaps. Yeah. And he was just really charismatic. Like you said, from his interviews, you see him and he's really, you know, yeah. he's very charismatic. Yeah. You pay attention to what he's saying. Do you guys enjoy your time off? Do anything fun? Yeah. yeah. You got sniffed. How your nuts? Uh, They're doing, doing all right. Excellent. I believe we discussed that though. Yeah, I know. It's the, my follow up. Oh, the, the the month. Yeah, I want to see how that went. 
post-op. Pretty much back to normal. Yeah, I think a lot of people are probably worried about your testicles and just wanted to know. You had that BBC going for a little while. <laughs> Black and blue cock. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Vacation was good. A nice break from everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have a break. It's been like three, three and a half weeks since we recorded, I think. Yeah. Not counting the um, little beer show we did with our mm-hmm. friends. That was fun. Something different. Yeah. Sit around, talk beer. Of course. Drink beer, talk beer. Okay. Could do that for a living. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. Kathleen Maddox was born January 11th, 1919 in Moorhead, Kentucky to Nancy and Charles Maddox. Moorhead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Wouldn't it be funny if the Woodcocks were from Moorhead? <laughs> These are the Woodcocks from Moorhead. Nancy was an extremely strict religious woman to the point of if a woman showed her ankle, it was sinful. I agree. Charles worked long hours on a railroad, and by the time he got home, he was too tired to argue with Nancy. He just kind of went with the flow. She was very religious, religious to the point where, at least according to Charles Manson, religious to the point where if George showed sympathy to Kathleen about anything, it was considered sinful, like almost on the Mm. verge of incestuous feelings sinful oh boy sounds like a lovely home well stories like this in the past we've discussed that start out like this always had a happy ending so i'm sure this is uh gonna be no different i think most stories we do cover have happy endings on this show <laughs> in 1933 kathleen ran away from home and ended up in cincinnati ohio where she started a relationship with a guy named colonel walker henderson scott Scott worked in steel mills and was well known to people in town as a con artist, but Kathleen didn't know that. Scott had Kathleen believing that he was an army colonel, but in reality he wasn't. His first name really was Colonel. <laughs> I like how everyone in town just kayfabes it too. Like they don't even go help this girl. They're like, oh, oh yeah, she's sh- dating the colonel. Go learn today. <laughs> go smarten her up. Jeez. Awesome first name, by the way. Colonel? Yeah. You like that? That's a cool name. Colonel Walker Henderson Scott almost sounds like it's straight out of the Civil War. You got like mutton chops to go with it. You have to, right? Your parents are aiming high when they name you Colonel, right? Like if you, you have a dopey kid, you're going to name him private. But if you're naming, <laughs> you're naming your kid Colonel, you think you're putting it out there that he's going to be somebody. And I mean, was that a common name back then? That's a, I've never heard that mm-hmm. before. Yeah, I've never heard of somebody na- being named Colonel. It reminds me of... Um, Dr. Bliss, I believe, I think it's Bliss, was the doctor that treated President Garfield when he was shot. And his first name, Dr. Willard Bliss, but his first name was actually Doctor. Doctor, that's yeah. right, yeah. And he became the doctor. I remember that. Things did not go well for him. <laughs> his treatment <laughs> of Garfield. Let me jam up my arm up to my elbow in your back. It'll be all right. Also, the only acceptable middle name for someone named Colonel is Angus. <laughs> Colonel Angus. <laughs> they failed. <laughs> oh, they messed up on that one. Kathleen ended up getting pregnant. And when she told Scott, he said that he got, uh, got called to army service and he left town. Then about three months before her due date, Kathleen started a relationship and moved in with a guy named William Manson, who was about 10 years older than her. Fast forward to November 12th, 1934. At 15 years old, Kathleen gave birth to a boy who left the hospital as no-name Maddox. 
That's what a, it's on his uh, birth certificate. That's a cool name. I like that. No name Maddox. Yeah, it sounds like the I don't know pitcher from the 1900s that minor league greatest pitcher alive pitched the perfect game and then no one ever saw him again. No name. Old no name Maddox. It's legendary. Now you just have me thinking about Greg Maddox and all the times he kicked uh, our asses in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The Braves. That's the first thing I thought of, and I go, hey, that'd be a cool name for Oh, a is it? Yeah. <laughs> fucking hated Greg Maddox in the 90s. Him and fucking Chipper Jones. Oh, Chipper Jones. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. Sorry to bring him back in your life. <laughs> He's the one that, uh, when he was playing in the Yankees, talked about being on the subway in the Bronx and all of the minorities and the gays oh, and whatever did, else did you run like into. Didn't he get in big trouble? Oh, Chipper I don't Jones? remember that. In some interview, I don't remember him playing for any for the Yankees. No, no, like he was in New York playing the Yankees with the Braves. I see. Had some not too kind things to say about the New Yorkers he uh, ran into on the subway. That's not very nice. It's rude. Later on, Kathleen decided to name the baby after her father Charles, and once Kathleen married William, the baby assumed his last name Manson. So we have Charles Manson born. Might give him the yeah. CSI Miami, yeah. Calls for yeah! it. <laughs> <laughs> we got that. They uh, incidentally, when um, Cactus Jack, WWE wrestler Mick Foley, was first starting out and got his name Cactus Jack, his first name was actually Cactus Jack Manson because he kind of resembled Charles oh, Manson. Mm. Given, I mean, the kind of person Mick Foley is, like one of the nicest dudes, and I think in pro wrestling, mm-hmm. he did not love that name and dropped it as quick as he could. I was listening to Howard this morning in my car, and he was talking about what idiots wrestling fans are. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off thinking about you guys. <laughs> what kind That's of funny fucking too, IQ do you have to have to, to watch this fake bullshit? He was just going on and on. I guess Howard uh, doesn't watch movies either. I'm about to tell him it's fake bullshit. <laughs> Um, you get so mad when people say yeah, it's fake. because it's the dumbest <laughs> argument. Every TV show is fake. When someone's like, What's well, people get hurt in wrestling. He's like, yeah, if they don't know how to fucking wrestle or something like that. He's not wrong with that. <laughs> That's um, fair. He used to have a bunch of wrestlers on, too. Back oh, in the, yeah. the day. Yeah. I don't know if he still does. But I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. The relationship between Kathleen and William didn't last long, like only a month or so. However, they weren't officially divorced until April 30th, 1937. Once that relationship ended, Kathleen took Colonel Scott to court for child support, which he settled with Kathleen and agreed to pay her monthly. But he ended up not paying her. I think he paid her like a total of $25 what in total. A dick. This is where the idea that Colonel Scott is Charlie Manson's biological father comes from. But no one knows for 100% sure. Does he go by Charlie? Is that why we're calling him Charlie? Everything calls him Charlie. So it's just like stuck in my head to just call him Charlie. I like it. So, like I said, they didn't get divorced for like three years um, afterwards. But once Kathleen left, she took Charlie back to Kentucky and she went off the rails. The way Charlie tells it is that Kathleen had a lot of living to do before she could settle down and take care of him. He's different than other high profile serial killers, cult leaders, whatever you know, he is exactly. Um, but most of them resent their parents, at least one of them that abused or abandoned them. But Charlie loved his mother very much. Everything written about Kathleen says that she worked as a sex worker, which I think it's pretty safe to say that she did. 
but in his book he's quick to defend her and say no she's a flower child born 30 years too early it's more about calling her a whore he says the word whore a lot hmm. throughout that book like she's just a flower child of the 30 she's not a whore okay rationalizing things to yourself yeah there's a lot of rationalizing about his childhood mm. in his book part of the living that kathleen was was doing was going on weeks-long drinking binges with her brother luther they would leave charlie with her parents or one of her other siblings and other times she would leave charlie with a random babysitter and members of the maddox family would have to go out searching for him one time kathleen had charlie sitting on her lap at a bar and got into this conversation with a bartender about how the bartender wasn't able to get pregnant kathleen said give me a pitcher of beer and he's yours the bartender gave Kathleen a beer and she just handed over Charlie. <laughs> That's how you win a trade. That's good negotiation. Kathleen came out the winner on that one. No responsibilities. <laughs> that fucking picture of beer. Yeah. Your life just got 10 times easier. Go be a flower child. According to members of the Maddox family, it took about two weeks for them to track down the bartender and get Charlie back. Oh, I hope they gave her a picture of beer in return. <laughs> that's not very deal. Yeah. No takes backsies. <laughs> right. Also, that might give you self-esteem issues later in life when your mom traded you for a beer. He thinks it's hilarious, or at least how he writes about it. Mm. It's it's hilarious. It's a it's all a big adventure. Mm. The stuff with his mom. Yeah. It's all right. She was just wild. She had, like he said, she had some living to do. Yeah. Hope it wasn't like Bud Light, though. <laughs> it definitely was something like Bud Light. Something super well, cheap. if it's Diet Miller, that's fine. <laughs> that's acceptable, though. Bud Light is grotesque. I look down upon anyone that drinks it regularly. <laughs> if I'm you're going to drink that, you might as well just drink, like, Milwaukee's Best or Bush Light. Oof. Like, if you're going to slum it, slum it. Bush. Natty Light. Keystone Light. Keystone. You're naming all the winners, buddy. I know. I wonder if the bartender was super thrown off when she just handed over the baby like if the but bartender like decline no she's but if, like fuck yeah <laughs> but if she thought it was just a joke and she's like oh here's your picture and yeah. she's like no fuck here's my baby yeah. please <laughs> by the way he needs changed that is a poopy diaper <laughs> think the bartender was sitting around 30 years later watching the news and that's the bullet on that one <laughs> no i like to think she's still working at that bar and like had the tv on in the corner <laughs> Wiping the that was out, my like, boy for two weeks. <laughs> Bought him for a beer. <laughs> on August 1st, 1939, one of Kathleen and Luther's binges led them to Charleston, West Virginia, where they were short on money. So they decided to rob a gas station. Kathleen hit the gas attendant in the head with a glass Coke bottle and Luther started to grab the money. They did not do a good job of concealing their identities during this. There's people that saw them. Um, and they got arrested pretty quick. And they were both sentenced to five to ten years in Moundsville State Prison. Did you guys see online uh, that thing with The Rock going back to the gas station where he used to go and steal Snickers bars? Mm -hmm. And it was like when he was doing like a make good. So he went back to the gas station and bought like every Snicker bar, a ton of candy. And then just had him put it up on the counter and say, anybody who comes in here looks like they need a candy bar. You just <laughs> give it to them. I'm like, that's really nice and well done. But all you did was buy a bunch of candy. You didn't really pay them back right. for everything you stole. <laughs> so kind of a I mean, C for effort, Mr. The Rock. <laughs> your head's in the right place, but you know, 
<laughs> you funny. still stiffed them on all those Snicker bars. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Right. I didn't really think that one through. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great for whoever comes in next and is like, can I have one of these Snicker bars? Like, fuck yeah, take as many as you want. The rock bottom. They're going to be like, no, we fucking didn't. Like, no, the rock was here, we swear. <laughs> but I was like, well, that's great. He bought all that candy, but you didn't really pay them for the stuff you took. Mm-hmm. Like, he probably gave them more, but that's not what was right. in the, the article. So. I think he can afford it. I think. <laughs> Charlie said that he remembered his grandfather breaking the news to him that Kathleen was going to prison for a long time and that Charlie would be living with them for a while. His grandmother, Nancy, still did the strict religious stuff, but Charlie was babied because of the situation. So much so that um, that he said that he turned into the, quote, neighborhood sissy. A little after a month of living with his grandparents, Charlie was sent to live with his aunt Joanne and his uncle Bill in McCutcheon, West Virginia. Right off the bat, his uncle Bill wasn't a fan of the sissy behavior. He pretty much told Charlie, if you don't stop crying all the time and acting like a little girl, then I'm going to treat you like a little girl. So Bill sent Charlie to school in a girl's dress, which obviously resulted in him getting bullied. In 1939, West Virginia. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't imagine that. It was great. 2023 West Virginia. That, I can't imagine that. Good point. And to be fair, most of Ohio, if we're going to be honest. Uh, yes. That bullying led to Charlie getting into a bunch of fights where he successfully defended himself, which that seemed to make his Uncle Bill happy because Charlie said that after Bill heard about the fighting at school, he never complained at him for being a sissy again. You really whooped him good, Charlie. You ain't no <laughs> sissy no more. <laughs> That's good. So he's a good fighter or at least able to hold his own. Yeah, yeah Possibly. I guess. Good for him. Real quick, I think it's, you know, with him fighting in school early on, I think it's a good time to point out that Charles Manson was a really small guy. In adulthood, he was 5'4", and at one point weighed as little as 115 pounds, but he usually weighed around 150. 5'4"? A small God, man. Damn. He said real early on he learned to play the, quote, insane game where he had to act crazy and scare people. Like, don't fuck with Charles Manson. He's crazy. Aside from the insane game, Charlie learned pretty quick to talk and hustle, talk his way around things, which we'll get into later on. His first run-in with law enforcement is kind of up for debate. Charlie told Diane Sawyer that he set his school on fire when he was nine years old, but didn't get into any real trouble for it. In his book, He said that he was gifted a Superman hairbrush for Christmas when he was seven years old. Charlie said that that was the only gift he was given that year. And his grandmother told him that if he brushed his hair with it all the time, he would fly like Superman. Kids in the neighborhood started picking on him. Like, you got a hairbrush. Look at all the toys that we got. Charlie said that he ended up stealing as many of those toys as he could and set them all on fire. (laughs) The police got involved, but nothing was done other than a slap on the wrist. I don't blame him. Kids got spunk, huh? He showed them. Mm. Helter skelter, motherfuckers. (laughs) Show your Christmas. (laughs) Kathleen got paroled in 1942. And when Charlie was reunited with her, he said that this was the happiest that he had ever been in his life. The next couple of years reads kind of like a Bonnie and Clyde type of adventure where Kathleen would hustle for money and she and Charlie would travel from town to town. He talks about a story where they were at a bar and some local tough guy, like these two guys, like, you know, two brothers that everybody was scared of in town, whatever, um, grabbed 
his mom's ass and she cracked him with a fifth of <laughs> a bottle of liquor and then basically ran up to Charlie and was like, we got to get out of town, threw him in the car and sped off. It's like a buddy road trip adventure kind of novel. Yeah. I'd watch that movie. Be fun, right? Yeah. Called like Little Charlie and Mom or something. I could see that being kind of fun, though, if you're <laughs> eight years old. Sure. Your mom's just driving you. You're not going to school. Yeah. It's better than, yeah, just, you know, living with your hillbilly uncle who puts you in a dress to go to school. This is probably a hundred times better. Well, and just and he loved his mom, right? So he got to be with her. Yeah. Kathleen had tons of boyfriends who Charlie said were always introduced to him as uncles. Kathleen got serious with one and he was not a fan of Charlie. This guy was only known as Lewis and pretty much told Kathleen, it's me or your kid. And not long after Kathleen took Charlie in front of a judge and said, I can't take care of him anymore. I don't want him. So at 13 years old, Charlie became a ward of the state and was sent to Guybolt School for Boys in Indiana. Guybolt was ran by Catholic priests, and according to Charlie, it wasn't terrible there, as in sexual assault. However, there were pretty harsh beatings from a belt if you stepped out of line. Christmas time of 1947, Charlie escaped from Guybolt and slept in the woods, under bridges, and wherever else he could get shelter until he made it back to his mother. Once he got to her... Charlie was expecting her to be happy and, you know, them go back on the road again, do all this, this crazy shit. But Kathleen sent him right back to Gabalt where he was reprimanded for escaping. God damn, mom. God damn. This would be a really sad part of the movie. It would. (laughs) This kind of stuff makes you feel bad for Charles Manson. It absolutely does. It's a horrific childhood. But like a lot of these scumbags that we talk about, there's always one point in the story where we feel bad for them, Mm -hmm. usually in their youth when they're getting treated like shit or abused or cast aside. That's true. Over the next 10 months, Kathleen would visit Charlie every so often, like every couple weeks. But eventually that turned into every month. And then on one visit, Kathleen said that she got married and she stopped visiting. At that point, Charlie said, fuck it. I don't trust a single person, and he escaped Guybalt a second time and fled to Indianapolis. Charlie said that he knew to go to Indianapolis because it would be harder to get caught in the city. He really did flee to Indianapolis, but again, this sounds like an adventure of him getting there. He said that he had help from the, quote, bums, winos, and hobos hopping on trains and all kind of shit like that. That sounds fun. That is an adventure. 12 years old. Yeah. 13. Sure. Living life, right? Riding the rails. (laughs) Hell yeah. It's an education you're not going to get in the classroom. Getting shot by that salt gun that the railroad guys carry around (laughs) with them. (laughs) Once he got to Indianapolis, Charlie robbed a grocery store for food, but under the counter, he found a cigar box with a little over $100 in it. He used that money to rent a room on Indianapolis's Skid Row to buy food. He got a job delivering letters for Western Union and tried to stay out of trouble, but pretty quick, he was back to petty theft. It's crazy, but at 14, Charlie was able to survive on Indianapolis' Skid Row for almost a full year before he got caught for petty theft. In 1949, a judge sent Charlie to uh, Boys Town in Omaha, Nebraska, and after four days at Boys Town, Charlie escaped with another kid named Blackie Nielsen. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that is not his real name. How much of the story is confirmed? This is all just <laughs> his eyewitness story. There's some good names in here, good adventures. So he really did go to Indianapolis and he was arrested there for petty theft. Like that that's for real. And 
as a result of that, that's why he was sent to Boys Town in Nebraska. Look here, Charlie. I'm Blackie Nielsen, and we're busting out of Boys Town, see? I mean, he was at Boys Town. He did escape. I'm 90% sure that this person's name was not Blackie Nielsen. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Blackie Nielsen. I love it. And I don't even know if this next part is true, because according to, you know, according to Charlie, they stole a car, got a hold of a gun, and made it back to Peoria, Illinois where I guess Blackie's uncle took them on as kind of like an apprentice. Blackie's uncle ran this big, um, you know, like this theft business, this like ring of thieves kind of thing. And like right. took Charlie and Blackie in on it. All right. Story's getting good. He sure tells a good story if it's not true. That's right. Two weeks later, Charlie got busted for robbing another store and was sent to the Indiana boys school. And this is where things in his book and, and, how he tells his story stops sounding like this, this happy go adventures of Huckleberry Finn. (laughs) Yeah. It gets very dark at this point in Mm -hmm. his story. This episode is sponsored by better help. Have you ever lost a job, had a bad breakup or simply just felt stuck in life? Ever wish life came with a user manual, much like our cars or appliances do. Wouldn't that be great? Lost your job. Turn to page 63. Just got dumped. Turn to page 32. Feeling depressed? That'll be on page 104. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. However, BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. So the next time you're feeling stuck, why not check them out? BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, all done online. Therapy can have many benefits, be it learning new coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, or even having a clearer mind. Look, everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. They're the world's largest therapy service and offer all the benefits of in-person therapy, but are more convenient, accessible, and more affordable. After filling out a brief questionnaire, you'll be matched with a therapist. And from there, if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist whenever you'd like. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash necro so this next part um for context for the silage part of it when charlie got to the indiana boys school he was given a work assignment in the dairy area right when he got there this place started to become extremely abusive but i included this quote because it's just sums up what this place was for him charles manson wrote quote after that Fields himself, Fields being a guard, started playing games with me like I was some joint punk available to anyone. On numerous occasions, depending on his mood, he would tell me, quote, pull your pants down, Manson. I want to see if you've been getting fucked. The first time I thought he was kidding and I walked right on by him, but he grabbed me and yanked my pants down around my ankles and made me bend over while he looked at my ass. He always did this in the presence of several other inmates. To add insult, 
He would pick up a handful of raw silage from the dairy floor, spit tobacco juice on it, and shove it up my ass. I got him lubed, he'd tell his pets, so fuck him if you get a chance. The tobacco juice and silage burned, and I got an infection from it, but the humiliation was worse. Yeah, Fields was a real beauty. He really knew how to care for the wards of the state and earn his state paycheck. I worked in the dairy for five months, and every day was some kind of unimaginable experience. Yikes. There's like certain things when we talk about on like Unit 731, some of that stuff that just mm. hit hard. Yeah, it, yeah, it hits different than some of the things that you that yeah. we talk about. And he's 14 at this time, and this guard's just shoving stuff up his ass. Tobacco juice and silage off the ground. Silage is like feed, right? Like hay, but well, I was also wondering fermented hay. Like, what does that mean? He's working the dairy. Was this like on a farm, and they were work like milking cows and stuff? I and believe they had access to yeah. getting milk that they would then send out and distribute, probably and. Something along those lines. Or was it maybe even just for them there at the facility? But That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Make their own milk. Yeah, well. I don't know, but this is what happened to me at 14. I think I would spend the rest of my life not going back to jail. Yeah, he doesn't do that. No. <laughs> He's not a very good criminal. <laughs> He's absolutely not. And we were talking about like the credibility of his story. A lot of the stuff, like all these escapes that he <laughs> makes and things like that, there's documentation for those things. Mm-hmm. There's no documentation for like Blackie Nielsen. No. Um, but like when he escapes from here and all the shit that he does going forward, there's records for for that stuff. So easily provable. Do you think after that stuff was like shoved up his ass, that his ass looked even half as bad as Dave's eye does tonight? <laughs> We don't have to bring it up if you don't want to get into that. Okay. (laughs) Dave's got the best way to describe it is that Dave's right eye is giving birth. (laughs) (laughs) There is something going on. And for someone like me who is very weak and sensitive to any kind of eye shit, even more so than the nipples. Like I look at Dave and my eyes start watering. (laughs) I can tell that's why I'm making a lot of direct eye contact with you. Can you even see out of that eye? Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy, though. Like, it's, it's swelling like up in over front there. of my eye, so it's yeah. it's blurry. I got a, a sty like a week ago, and I don't know what the fuck happened to it, but it got all infected. Yeah. Now it's just blown up, and it's, it looks ridiculous. It literally looks like if you touched it with your finger, it would just explode. <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh, like, even, like, when you laugh and, like, you, like, kind of scrunch your face, I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's going to jizz. It's going to shoot across the room into his beer. <laughs> like slow motion. We all just watch it. it just goes, bloop. Oh. And then there's, you hear the sounds of all three of us throwing oh. up. I'm glad it's me because if, if it was one of you guys, I'd probably be sick. I told I you to buy an eye patch for I did night. buy an eye patch. <laughs> and I put it on and I was having trouble reading, getting used to just the one eye. So We should make you face the wall and do your show tonight. If it was me, I would have insisted on you facing the wall. That's on you. I have never had a sty. Um, I didn't either until this year. I don't know what I don't know where I got this from. It's crazy. You oh, said you've had one before. Yeah, they're super painful, but I've never had one get infected. Like, this or is anything. nuts. Yeah, I was at the doctor this morning, so I got some new eye drops. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! I'm still confused. Like it looks like it's in the skin under your eye. Yeah, like in the like the your bags of your eyes. Yeah, 
So I don't understand. It must be on the eye, though, if they're giving you eye drops and cream to put on your eye. Like it's inside. That. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the infection, that's just where it goes. I think it's like a um, like a clogged tear duct or something. Mm. I haven't cried I could in be while. making that, that up be completely. It. Well, that eye's been leaking, so you're getting all those tears out. <laughs> my eyes are leaking now. <laughs> like when this stuff starts happening, it feels to me like my eyes start feeling like someone's cutting onions. Like I get that tingling in my eyes. Oh, I, and like I'm I have sure. to keep blinking. It's horrific. It's not good to look at. I mean, it doesn't. It looks. Did you go upstairs and clean it just now? I had to put an eye drop in. Oh, okay. Because before it looked war- like you could tell a difference. Like it almost looked like it went down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't envy you. Between his balls, your eye. I don't know. I guess I'm next. I guess. It is horrific, though. After multiple failed attempts to escape the Indiana Boys School, Charlie successfully escaped in February of 1951 with two other boys. There's one that he talks about in his book that's that's pretty crazy. Um, talks about one escape where he was able to get down to a river. Like there was a, a body of water there. He noticed that people saw him. So the, the guards were on either side of, of this river. And he yeah. was in the middle. He's like, there's nowhere else to go. Like I either drowned or I go back and take it. And, had to swim back over. <laughs> Jeez. Guess he didn't get swimming lessons as a young man. Maybe he tried, but he was like you. It just didn't take. Yeah, maybe so. So Charlie and these two other boys stole cars and robbed gas stations headed for California. They made it all the way to Utah before they were arrested. Since driving a stolen car across state lines was a federal crime, Charlie was sent to Washington, D.C.'s National Training School for Boys. He said that after the Indiana Boys School, every other jail or prison seemed like a retirement home, especially federal facilities. He said federal facilities are a breeze compared to mm-hmm. well, anything's a breeze compared to getting <clears throat> silage and tobacco juice shoved up your ass. I would agree with you. Yeah. And Ray, I mean, not just not just saying fuck him if you get the chance, but like rape, tons of rape. Like yeah. he got raped a lot. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, anything's better than that. Uh, here you go, making me feel bad for Charlie Manson again. <laughs> at this school, Charlie was made to take an aptitude test, which placed him at a fourth grade level and pretty much illiterate. But a psychiatrist said even though Charlie couldn't read, he was above average with an IQ of 109 and recommended that he be sent to a minimum security facility called the Natural Bridge Honor Camp. Charlie had a parole hearing set for February 1952, but in January he was caught raping a boy at knife point. So that was canceled. Student has become the master. About that rape record, Charlie said, quote. And I'm going to read this quote as, as he said it. So, you know, he's got some language in here, but this is what he said. A lot of stories go around about forced sodomy and oral copulation in prisons and reform schools. There's some of it happening. I mean, out and out rape. I experienced it, and I'm still ashamed to cop to it. Most of the sex is by mutual agreement. But however it comes down, those things are printed in a convict's prison record and are with him for the rest of his life. I lost a possible parole date once by getting involved with a punk. I was accused of holding a razor blade to a kid's throat while I screwed him in the ass. Truth was, this guy was an undercover queer and wanted a dick in his ass, and I didn't mind doing it to him. We both agreed that if we got caught, he could say I forced him. We got caught. 
He gets caught at everything. <laughs> of course he got caught. Charles Manson's book should be given to people as a way to scare you from going to jail. Mm. The, it's better than scared straight. The first half of his mm. book is fucking terrifying. It's like it makes you never, ever want to break the law at all. You convinced any, me. Any Just fraction. the silence convinced me. <laughs> That incident had Charlie transferred to the Federal Reformatory in Petersburg, Virginia, where he had been caught at least three more times either raping or having consensual sex with other students. At that point, he was moved to a maximum security facility in Chillicothe, Ohio, where Charlie did well, and he was released on good behavior to his aunt Joanne and Uncle Bill back to McCutcheon, West Virginia. So that was shortly before his 21st birthday. So he's still got time to turn things around. Still a young man. Still a whole life ahead of him. A little bit of time left. A little bit of time. 109 IQ. God damn it. This I think is where he's going to do it. <laughs> In January 1955, Charlie had his first relationship with a woman, Rosalie Jean Willis. Which is crazy to even think about. You know, he's just been in these reformatory, these boy things. So it's either been mm. uh, rape you know. But it's all been anything has just been with other boys mm-hmm. or men. Yeah. Whether it be consensual or not. She was a waitress that Charlie met at a card game in Steubenville, Ohio. Oh, <laughs> Steubenville. <laughs> I bet at that card game they served uncooked pizza. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> so Rosalie got pregnant and the two of them got married. Three months into their marriage and Rosalie's pregnancy, Charlie stole a car and the two of them headed to L.A. Pretty quick after arriving in Los Angeles, Charlie got arrested for driving a stolen car. And again, it was a federal crime because he drove it across state lines. I'm pretty sure it was the same car that he stole in Ohio. Should have stole a Hyundai or a Kia. Apparently those are very easy to steal and get away with. However, instead of jail time, Charlie got a lenient judge who gave him five years probation. Instead of reporting to his PO, Charlie skipped town back to Indianapolis, where he was arrested in March of 1956. His probation was revoked, and he was sentenced to three years at Terminal Island in Los Angeles. Charles Manson is like <clears throat> the, the definition of like failing upwards. But like in the criminal sense, like he just keeps getting caught and caught and caught, but then becomes like the biggest criminal that you can become, right? Like he just fell ass backwards into becoming a top tier criminal. I never thought of it that way. He's not good at being a criminal. I guess top tiers is a subjective term depending on how we're looking at it. Well, I just mean doing some absolute heinous stuff, right? Like maybe he's not a serial killer, so to speak, but... Like, you know, this guy wasn't good at the little crimes, and then he nope. ends up, you know, moving on up. Yeah, Helter Skelter still the best-selling true crime book ever written. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Was Jim Jones operating in uh, Indianapolis around this time when he was there? Maybe he uh, could have found some salvation with Jimmy instead. No, he'll, him on another no he'll find a different cult, Dave. <laughs> you would. You just wait. The <laughs> boop would have been around this yeah. time somewhere. He hopped over to Brazil, South America, oh, somewhere in right. this time frame. But yeah, he was getting uh, paid to fuck that broad, right? Yeah, yeah, he was doing <laughs> that for grand. the for the cause. <laughs> God, I forgot all about that. <laughs> He's a cult guy. I gotta become a cult leader. You just start saying shit. Yeah, I'm gonna turn cucks across America into a cult. 
I think you could probably do that pretty easily. So now you have to you have to pay me. Oh, and I'm going to fuck right. your wife. But then you also have to listen to everything I say. <laughs> like wrestling, wrestling is real. Movies are fake. <laughs> Pretty sure the Howard Stern show is fake. It's scripted. They write it all out ahead of time. Go tell everybody I'm going to fuck your wife. That'll be $500. <laughs> also, you no longer have belongings. We're going to go live in an embassy suites. Belonging. That's our compound in embassy suites. Every room on every floor. Yeah. Still a fantastic hotel for the p- price you pay. I think we've talked about this before. You're a fan. That manager special they have. You get some free drinks. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> coming soon. While Charlie was at Terminal Island, Rosalie gave birth to their son, Charles Manson Jr. Also, his mother, Kathleen, came back into the picture for a bit. Rosalie moved in with Kathleen, and the two of them raised Charlie Jr. together. However, in March of 1957, the visits from Rosalie stopped and Kathleen told Charlie that Rosalie was living with another man. Less than two weeks before he had a parole hearing scheduled, Charlie tried to escape by stealing a car. He got out of the walls and was able to get into a car, but was caught. (laughs) (laughs) And he was given another five years probation and that parole was denied. Poor guy. Charlie Manson Jr. still kicking it around these days? Maybe we can uh, talk about him, look him up at the end here. I don't know. He's got another son coming up next week. Okay, great, great. All right. Some lineages that just need to keep uh, going on and on. So I'm glad he procreated. You're putting this in that category? Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) During his time at Terminal Island, Charlie really looked up to the pimps and wanted to figure out how they operated. He listened to everything that he could learn from them And when he was paroled in September of 1958, he immediately started looking for a girl to pimp. By November 1958, he was pimping out a 16-year-old girl, but wasn't as successful as he hoped to be. To make ends meet while trying to be a pimp, Charlie was arrested in September of 1959 for attempting to cash a $37.50 U.S. Treasury check. For this, he received a 10-year suspended sentence and was sent on his way. God damn, man. Pimping ain't easy. So, <laughs> now, the way that he talks about this is like the man's coming down on him for trying to cash a $37 check. It's like there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes that you've been doing. It's not just a $37 <laughs> check that's the issue. His divorce from Rosalie was finalized the year before, in 1958. And as soon as he was let off with the suspended sentence, Charlie married a woman that he ended up pimping out named Leona. Charlie heard about a big convention going on in New Mexico, so he took Leona and another woman down there to have them do sex work. Was it a Roswell convention? (laughs) Possibly. See? So it was a weatherman convention? (laughs) Look at all these weather balloons. (laughs) Meteorologists from all across the country. Charlie was not a good pimp. um, And pretty much as soon as they showed up in New Mexico, he was questioned under the Mann Act, which was, from my understanding, like an early sex trafficking law Mm. regarding like taking prostitutes or sex workers across state lines. I think it was based off of um, like the police used to come up to you and be like, hey, man. Are you sex trafficking? <laughs> and then you have to tell them if they ask you. And so it became the man act. Uh, genius. Yeah, well, like, I don't know how they come up with these law names. It's just it's the way it is. Like, did we really think he'd be a good pimp? 
like the guy's going to stiff the girl and she's going to like, well, my pimp's going to get you. And he's, he's looking around where, Oh, he's down here. (laughs) He's five foot four. My pimp. Look, he's down here. He weighs 104 pounds. And also he's not been good at any illegal activity he's ever participated in. So five foot four, you're like, you just flick him away and you just leave. (laughs) So he was let go. They just questioned him, but authorities kept their eye on him and he knew that, you know, he knew that they weren't going to stop following him around and seeing what he was up to if they just questioned him right away. So he went down to Mexico. He talks about living on the streets of Mexico doing a bunch of drugs he says that he was riding bulls that they were teaching him how to you know hold the cape and do all the matador type stuff riding little ponies maybe a bull's cock is bigger than this guy at this point right like he's he's still young he's not even fully grown probably yet <laughs> it can be a, a dog race jockey or something <laughs> He said that he uh, he wanted to get some mushrooms while he was down there, and he had heard about a tribe that had access to a certain kind that he wanted, and everyone told him like, "You're crazy! You can't go there." Like, a, you're white, you know, right. you're definitely an outsider. You're not going to be welcome there. Like, it's a for real tribe. The way he tells it is, he showed up and tried to bargain with them, and they're like, "You need to leave," you know, and kind of like fuck off, and uh. He tried to trade something to them. They didn't want it. So then he had a gun <laughs> that was unloaded. He didn't have any bullets in it, but he had a gun. So he was like, oh, I'll trade you this. And he pulled it out. And they're like, hey, motherfucker. <laughs> and and uh, he's like, no, look at it. Like, I'm just trying to give it to you. He gives it to the guy. The guy puts it into Charlie's stomach, pulls the trigger, but there's no bullets in it. And Charlie just smiles at the guy. And they're like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and they just gave him his mushrooms and let him go on his way. Damn. <laughs> finally a win for him yeah he's like oh yeah a mission accomplished i'm pretty sure that didn't happen but (laughs) it's a sweet story story, (laughs) i'm counting that that's a real one (laughs) i'm choosing to believe that like some of those ghost stories we talk about our poltergeist we're like nah we don't believe it but we're choosing to because the world's a better place if that happened right right and this story is not going to be great but i'm believing that one seems like a very charles manson thing to do (laughs) certainly does to smile when someone pulls the trigger don't yell or anything. Just smile. Just smile. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere in that whole getting the the mushrooms in Mexico, Charlie went to Texas with his wife at that time, Leona. In Texas, Leona got herself arrested on a prostitution charge, and she flipped on Charlie as she should have. Uh, he was a real piece of shit to women. Like we've you know joked around about him but his pimping stuff is really gross to read about he's a piece of shit like definitely he's not uh, a good person um and he was arrested and so charlie was arrested and sent back to la once he was in los angeles his suspended 10-year sentence was reversed and charlie was ordered to serve those 10 years and that's the way he talks about it's like 10 years for a 37 dollar check and there's a lot of play, other factors at play here, not just that check. Got it. He spent the first year of that sentence fighting to appeal, which delayed him being sent to prison. He was at Los Angeles County Jail for a year. After that year, he said that he was getting sick of dealing with all those like small, small-time crime bullshit. So he gave in and accepted his sentence. And at that point, he was sent to McNeil Island Penitentiary in Washington State. 
while at McNeil Island, Charlie took an honest look at himself for the first time in his life that he wasn't this kind of this badass that he had built himself up to be in his mind, but he was just a petty thief and learned to talk his way into and out of situations. He started to look for a meaning in life and trying to get on a work program, like learning a trade. However, because of all his bullshit throughout his incarceration, Charlie wasn't looked at for those programs. He tried looking at religion Christianity first, but he said 90% of Christians he met were liars and thieves almost as bad as he was. He dabbled into Scientology a bit and said that Diagnetics helped him out a lot as far as recognizing his shortcomings. (laughs) Shortcomings? (laughs) But things clicked for Charlie when he met Alvin Creepy Carpus. It's a quick summary on this guy. Um, He was a Depression-Aaron gangster called creepy for his smile and he was the leader of the barker carpus gang in the 1930s there were only four public enemies ever to be given the title of public enemy number one by the fbi and he was the only one to be taken alive so a very badass criminal yeah by the time charlie met alvin alvin had done 30 years in prison and for whatever reason he would talk to charlie and let charlie sit with him during mealtime Once they got closer, Charlie tried to sell Scientology to Alvin. And Alvin was basically like, kids, stay away from all that bullshit and listen to what I have to tell you. And according to Charlie, Alvin kind of gave, like, passed along his criminal wisdom to him. It's a good slogan for Scientology. We're too crazy for Charlie Manson. (laughs) (laughs) So Alvin helped him. Uh, learn how to play guitar while he was in prison during this time. That's nice of him. He always got, well, he wanted to get on the work schedules, uh, like like we talked about, like welding or something like that. And because he fucked around so much and his record was terrible, he always got denied. And music was not considered a work program, but he figured out a way to get himself, you know, a guitar and be able to do that. Broadening his horizons. I think he's going to turn himself around soon. Part two is going to be all happy stuff. Yeah, I think his so. big music career. Everything changed for him when with music. Hmm. One could argue all of this is because of his music. Interesting foreshadow there. Hmm. I like it. Bye. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> After seven years of being at McNeil Island, Charlie was sent back to Terminal Island in June of 1966 for early release. At that point, he had spent more than half of his 32 years in prison and other institutions. The only issue this time was that Charlie didn't want to leave. He was comfortable at McNeil, and he knew how the system worked. He didn't want to be freed. Charlie asked to stay, but the guard just laughed at him and sent him on his way. About that, Charlie said, quote, The release procedure is a simple one. A last photo for the files, an address and instructions to report within 24 hours to your parole officer. If you have money on the books, they give it to you. If the government is helping you with the funds, those funds are to be picked up at the time you check in with your PO. You get $30 until you see your PO. One of the institution vehicles takes you to public transportation and the driver says goodbye, and in some cases wishes you good luck. After that, you are on your own. Sounds great. (laughs) Welcome back, pal. We missed you. (laughs) And then he hangs himself in the room like Brooks did. Yeah, right. (laughs) institutionalized that's where we'll pick back up on part two 
It's quite a foundation for old Charlie. He's lived quite the life <laughs> in 32 years. Yeah. Given away for a pitcher of beer. Terrible at committing crimes. Bad at pimping. Not good at pimping. But who is? It's very difficult work, Dave. <laughs> it's interesting that he wanted to stay in prison at the end of that. He was Maybe more comfortable sh- there that, you know. He spent more than half of his life. I, it's the only consistency he ever had in his life. Yeah. Maybe they should have obliged him. There could be an argument made for that. If <laughs> someone asked to stay in prison, maybe we could just let him hang maybe out. Maybe we could. Maybe there's a special section for them. Yeah. I mean, you certainly you don't want to keep them in prison if their term is up. But if someone's telling you like, hey, I'm not ready to be out, mm-hmm. it should be maybe something. Something. Alternate path. Perhaps. And how quick the release process is that he describes. That's why I put that quote in here just because I was really surprised by, you know, you're there for seven, six, seven years and all right. See ya. Like no halfway house. Yeah. Here's $30 be on your way. Yeah. So yeah. In part two, um, we'll start getting him to him building, uh, the Manson family get to the beach boys. Now we're talking. <laughs> Like the Beach Boys, Mike? Eh, well, I don't know. They're okay, I guess. It's just full house, right? I, I, that's not the first thing I think of with them, it's but the it's certainly I top three. <laughs> yeah. I think of that in Kermit the Frog. Yeah. That might be my top three. What's, well, what's, what's the Well, the first one I think of the song, what is it, Kokomo? So that's the first thing I think that's of. That's an awful song. That's just what I think Horrible. of. Yeah. That's the one with the well, it's, Kermit, it's right? Most, right? Or Stain, does he do that one? He doesn't on the full house show. I don't yeah. know if he was actually, I don't, I don't know about all the backstory with it. It's one of those songs though, that when you hear like it's gets stuck in my head for weeks, like you can't get it out of your head. Maybe that's why I think about it. That's the first thing I think of because you know, I, I don't think I can name many more beach boy songs, a few, but not a ton. Mm. Like their album pet sounds is on every top three album list. Pet, ever. And it's, Pet sounds, pet sounds, hmm. and it's just top like, three albums. Oh yeah, it's like sold consistently number two of the best albums ever. Brian Wilson is considered to be a genius. Genius, absolutely. Yeah. I just let me see. I'm gonna look up. Not pet my sounds. thing. I don't know. I don't know what. Well, it's very much just that kind of. It's very specific genre of music. I suppose. Yeah. I'm like, what am I missing here? Let me listen to this again. I I just don't love it. Maybe you know. haven't had enough daiquiris. <laughs> Pet sounds. Wouldn't it be nice? Like some of the classics, you know, but it's just, it's, it's like a, it's a song you'd hear on a commercial for ice cream or something. Like it's not musical genius. In my opinion, that's the only song I know on this album, just based on the title. I'm sure mm. if I played them, I'd know more, mm. but I don't know. All right. Specifically, we'll be talking about their drummer. Okay. How many guys are in the band? 77. <laughs> so like a Leonard Skinner type thing. It was a lot, but they're not still around now, right? Like they're all either dead or they just kind of retired. And well, Brian Wilson had a mental illness and stuff. He went through a lot of things, but there was those. Did he, did he pass away? Or is I don't know. I don't think so. He's schizophrenic, right? I think he is. Yeah, that's yeah. not the the direction I thought this Beach Boys conversation was going to go. <laughs> Somebody drowned, and someone drowned in Kokomo. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yeah, the Beach Boys drummer plays a big part in this story. Interesting. All right. Next week. That's intriguing. Big part. Wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) 
Um, all right. Anything else on part one? Nothing right. for me. Nope. All right. Uh, I might as well just go take a piss break with uh, the amount of names <laughs> Dave has to read next. Got some shout outs here from uh, way back in the beginning of December since we've been off Couple for weeks. so long. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm going to split half and then roll half into patrons next week. So you should probably say that one more time <clears throat> for all the patrons out there. Uh, if you are a new patron <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, if you don't hear your name read tonight, we will get to it next week. We promise. We're just splitting it up so that Dave doesn't have 200 names to get through tonight. That's correct. So take it over. Here we go. Jeff C. Meredith Bowman. Zan Gantar. Mike and Ian RKO's Dave through tables. Mackenzie. Emily Wheeler. Alex Poller. Jason Stanley. Jesper Nilsson, Chris Kabat, Spencer, Logan, Madison Hightower, Ellie Finnegan, Lil Butcher Boy, a.k.a. the Meat Beater. I think he likes to masturbate. <laughs> Summer, <laughs> Ashley Henderson, McKenna Wicks, Adam Fletcher, NASCAR sucks, Mike. Brutal. They must be a Howard Stern fan. <laughs> <laughs> William Heaster, Ranch Mole, William Beatty, Haley McRitchie, Matthew Carroll, Ashley Bunker, Jessica Hall, Lee Ramet 69, Pernilla, Yesfo, Nikki Poo 9919, Jess, Carrie Scott, Joaza Bullfrog, like Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jay was a bullfrog, I guess. Sorry. Jay was a bullfrog. <laughs> what did you say? Jay Waza? <laughs> I was just reading it all together. Jawaza bullfrog. <laughs> ZRW5150. Brand Dizzle. Colton DeLong. Derek. Stacy Velez. Cybex Kitty. Brandon O'Brien. Jacqueline Twifford. Mike Wasabi. S. Rosebrock. Midnight Muffin. Taylor Bell, Marley Harper, Mason Armstrong, Twisted Woodcock, Sylvia Beltran, Matt, Howie Feldersnatch. <laughs> Dave, that's yours. <laughs> Taylor Campbell, Sawen Wapapa, Necronama Bob, Nicole Smith Bosch, Denise Seppi, Alex. Jessica L. Alexander, Devon Lehman, Eva Lynch, Caitlin and Kristen are besties, Willis Wayne, Nick Twite, The Krusty Twat Waffle, Trigun 77, Echo Ash, Arguably AFL, Sarah Butler, Sylvia Darnell, Bad Alter Boy, I've been there, pal, Sarah Dagan, Nick Kerr, Meredith Moore, Louis Benavidez, Alice McFarlane, Jeff Bertrand, Connor Mahoudi, Ashy Strub, Antonio Dowell, Cheyenne Jones, Rachel Fender, Jen Gibbs, Rosie Pike, Rosie Pick, Jacob Summers, Kaylin Wiesereck, Charlotte Ashton, Listen here, Pilgrim. Mike's clit is in John Wayne's crawl. John Wayne Gacy's crawl space. 
It's a very specific <laughs> thing. I love sucking big juicy cocks raw. <laughs> I okay. bet Dave won't put that on the soundboard. <laughs> I bet he will. Caitlin Garman. Mike, please come back. My mom says you're my dad. <laughs> nope. Margaret. Still waiting for the island. Hashtag DIM. Hey, would you blow me? Terry Link. Nick Messner. John Bounds. Tyler Brammer. And crapping ass. <laughs> Thank you so much to all our new patrons. Like I said, we'll get to the second half of the patron list next week. So, uh, you know, so we don't force it. Yeah, that's not a bad thing, right? Too many patrons? Yeah. That's all right. It's an okay problem to have. But, yes, don't feel bad if we didn't get to you tonight. We will get to you next week, promise. We'll uh, we'll get there. Bear with us. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have a shout-out for 28388, Film Grip 0311, Mike Didn't Pull Out, B Random K, Rock and Rosie, and Banana Gina. And thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Dave, you got anything else? Yeah, I have some foreign ones. I'm going to apologize, though, because they don't last very long on this list. And I didn't, I wasn't keeping track of them for a couple weeks. So if you hit us up three, four weeks ago, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You're going to have to do it again because I, I, I'm not able to see them anymore. But I have Jan Lu09 from Australia. This uh, total morons. I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> We've been called worse. <laughs> Sam Bamam, Sam Bamam from Ireland, and La Lick from Canada. Oh wait, it does go back now. Mister Nacho Man from Canada. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Gia two zero one zero seven seven from Great Britain. Town CD from Canada. Bombastic Zaza from Australia. And I think that brings us current from last time. Thanks for the awesome reviews, guys. And now we're all caught up with uh, the international ones. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. I think they used to take them away after like 10 days, but uh, yeah, they're still there. Uh, Military. I have a couple military shout outs. Edward Going, uh, retired Army vet. Nicholas Stam, uh, retired Marine Corps vet, and Tyler Chenoweth, retired Navy vet. Uh, thank you so much for your service, guys. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I do have a couple of other shout-outs, people that sent us things over the over the holidays. Shout-out to Faith from Virginia Beach. She sent us those mugs and calendars with, with her artwork that she took over various places in Virginia Beach, I guess. Yeah, thank Very you. Very cool. Awesome. And then a shout out to Sean who sent us a Chase Elliott hat and uh, was it a signed hat and signed photo of Chase Elliott over there? Yeah, we got it on our uh, little gimmick shelf over there. Uh, hat and uh, I forget what the, the, the pictures are called, yeah. but they have a specific name. But yeah, oh, okay. little uh, Chase Elliott signed picture and, and hat. Very cool. Loved it. Thank you. Uh, one other thing to mention. I know do you guys remember when we were talking about the charity donations. Like before the holidays, when you go to the store, and like, hey, you want to donate a dollar to uh, the dog's nuts health? Yeah, I remember when you buried, when you buried that whole system in Dave. Yeah. You went on a whole rant about that for about 25 minutes. Well, we were just speaking off the cuff and saying that they're probably uh, deducting those, taking the tax deductions on their own corporate taxes. We were informed by a credible CPA who is also a patron that that absolutely does not happen and they do not take those tax deductions. 
So we're gonna see your name up at Drug Mart, Dave? No, I still won't. It's still fucking rude as shit. But it's still a scam. Because after we got that email, I was looking around and CVS actually just got fined. So they weren't actually taking the deductions, but they had a they had already promised a specific millions of dollars to some charity. Mm-hmm. So then they were doing the soliciting and using that money to fulfill that obligation that they already had on the books. Oh. Uh, which is fucking fraud. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, CVS. You were so much cooler when you were Revco. (laughs) Like, that's absurd. Yeah. There's a lot of tomfoolery going on with that stuff. So, even the fucking things at Walmart ask you, the self checkout lines popped up and asked you if you want to donate something. Not donating anything. I give Walmart one star every time I go there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, it pops up on there. It's like, how would you rate your experience? I always hit one. Yeah, you keep going. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's prices. Yeah, I love that fucking place. <laughs> it's awesome. I love going there. But it it, the other day, I was there, and she was like, "Why do you always do that? Why don't you go to Target?" I go to Target sometimes. Target doesn't ask me how I feel about it, though. What would you say about them? Then I'd probably give it a one star. Really? <laughs> Just for the hell of it. Someone once told me, and I have not noticed this, that Target, all Targets have the same exact smell. <laughs> oh and yeah, I've never noticed that. Does it smell like Starbucks? Is there usually a Starbucks in there? Because that's what I associate. Well, I wonder if that changed now since they most a lot of them have Starbucks. But I I don't know. I never noticed a Target smell. And I I agree. Like some stores have like a smell. I never noticed that with Target. But yeah, I think so. But But it smells like coffee. Starbucks. Like delicious Starbucks Mm, coffee. Not delicious, but Starbucks. I'm a just brew man, Mike. I I can say that. I I don't think I've ever had Starbucks coffee other than like the maybe a K-cup that you buy. It's too bitter. Yeah. But the smell right. of coffee is always delicious, right? Like, doesn't yeah, all coffee yeah. usually sure, smell good? That's sure. what I, I think that's what I meant more. Starbucks is like the IPA of the coffee world. People are like, mm, so bitter. Oh, it's so good. Yum. <laughs> yeah, I Make it more bitter for me. Yeah, I've yet to find an IPA that's been too <laughs> hoppy. I will take on that challenge. So anyway, thanks to our, our new CPA pal. It's good for setting us straight. Yeah. Oh, we're, we don't know. Or we're pals with them now. We're going to go out to Starbucks with them. Yeah, I'm going to ask them to do our our taxes this year for free. <laughs> okay. For free. <laughs> well, but if they, if they hit the blue button, we'll make a $2 donation in their name for whatever, <laughs> you know, right. gimmick charity we set up. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder. Um, I believe we mentioned it back on Patreon in December and Dave, you mentioned it at the start of the best of show. Um, some changes to our $10 tier uh, level at Patreon. Uh, for those of you that are interested, we are going to do mixing things up a little bit. Instead of the uh, Zoom happy hours we had been doing quarterly, we're going to change those out with quarterly um, live video of us recording an episode. People have been asking and clamoring for that for a long time. Could have seen my eye if we did it today. Could have zoomed right. <laughs> That's up. a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, shit. I got like put it right up into the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So people have been asking for that for a long time. So we're going to do that uh, quarterly. It'll probably be uh, a bonus show, but we'll we'll do a show. And if you're at the $10 level, you can either watch live or we'll record it and post it later. So you can watch it at a later date and the audio will be released as it typically does, uh, you know, on the whatever platform that episode was meant to be on. So we'll do that once a quarter. First one will probably be in March. Um, we're going to continue. We're going to do 
kind of a mix of three different shows throughout the year for that extra $10 show. We're going to continue with the, uh, the wrestling show that seems to be popular. People like that. So we're going to do that. Um, we're going to do uh, Dave's Unknown Wild Card Show. Yeah. Which is going to be stories that, you, like Dave, you described it as like, uh, what's the museum show you, you said you liked? like? I love watching Mysteries at the Museum. And, you know, they'll do a story on something that happened like in 1874. And I'm like, holy shit, there's no way that happened. Right. I'm going <clears> to <throat> do stuff like that. And it's wild card because, you you know, the, the idea started, it might be a true crime story. Might, it might be, be a missing person. Yep. Missing 411 type story. Just a Dave's kind of wild card. Story. Something that hopefully no one's ever heard of before. And again, these will, you'll get one one of these three a month. So January is going to be a wrestling show. February will be a Dave's wild card. Yeah. And then uh, March will be uh, Mike's History Corner. We'll oh. do a history show. Talk uh, about jerking off material. I can't <laughs> wait. So there we go. So you'll get you'll get four of each of those throughout the year at the $10 level. And that's... Uh, that's kind of replacing the the wrestling movie back and forth we'd had. Yeah. Um, the movie show was fun. Felt like people weren't loving it as much. So we're trying to give you more bang for your buck. I'm not sure we're movie critics. So yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Those are the changes coming at the $10 level. And uh, it starts this month. So if you're interested, jump on over to Patreon. And we got that going. Should be fun. Good wrestling one coming up. I think it's gonna be a fun one. We're yeah. gonna do uh, the top five most ridiculous and absurd WWE storylines, <laughs> and we're gonna uh, Ian and I are gonna put them together the list, and Dave's gonna explain them to us. It's gonna be <laughs> okay, great. It's gonna be awesome. That'll be at the end of this month. Am I gonna have pre knowledge before the show or no? I think going you go, in blind. I think you should go in blind. Okay. But it's up to you. I think you should go in blind. I don't care. It's yeah. fun. I and, might I might be half blind by then anyway. If yeah. this thing keeps growing, <laughs> you might just have to take that eye out. <laughs> uh, so that's at the ten dollar uh, Patreon level, um, effective now. So jump on over to patreon.com and check that out. Going to be a great fucking year, I think so. Uh, also, uh, again, if you have any show requests, email us. That is the only way we will really be able to document it. We like a, a one stop shop for all of that to keep track. Email us at inquiries at necronomapod.com for your topic requests. Um, We have, I think, over 700 topics currently on our list. So odds are, if you have something you're requesting, it's probably already on our list. But go ahead and send us an email. Um, You most likely won't get a response because we get a ton of emails. But don't let that discourage you. We are seeing and reading all of them and documenting them. So please feel free to shoot us an email. Um, Inquiries at necronomapod.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at necronomapod, uh, necronomapod.com. And uh, if you, what's the, do we, we don't have the spring site for the merch. It's linked in our, on all our socials on our link tree. Um, and you can also check out our merch on Amazon as well. No new stuff on Amazon, but uh, Spring has all of our, a, a bunch of new stuff. So With international shipping? With international shipping on Spring. Worldwide. National shipping. So uh, go check that out. Thanks a lot. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>